friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. All right, welcome. This is Girlfriend It, and I'm Patty Lynn Wyatt. I will be your host today. And we are going to find some space here in our brains uh, just to kind of pause and and swing the pendulum with so many things that are happening in our our world where um, Christians are getting blasted with, you know, bigotry and we're full of rules and religious behaviors. So how do you find healing and grace uh, when perhaps you grew up in a culture of legalism or you see the church as rigid and cult-like. Um, just how do we swing that that pendulum from, from law to grace, from rules to freedom? And so today we have with us uh, Kendra Fletcher. And uh, well, welcome, Kendra. Thank you so much. She's a speaker, author, and also a podcaster. Uh, I believe you used to have it on homeschooling. So welcome. Thanks for being on our show today. Thanks, Patty. Thanks for having me back. Uh, well, I, I mumbled jumbled through that intro on trying to to think uh, exactly what, what I wanted to say, because I, I just feel like we are in a space where Christians get ridiculed on such a crazy mm. level. And you you wrote a book called Leaving Legalism, Learning to Love God, Others, and Yourself Again. Um, you know, it's interesting. I grew up in a very rigid, I wouldn't say my parents were. There was a lot of freedom there with, with my family, but um, went to a small church, went to a small Christian school, and I didn't realize how legalistic it was mm. until I was an adult and looking back on some of the craziness, it wasn't cult-like. It was just rigid, yeah. you know, and right. um, I, I didn't, I didn't see the spiritual abuse. I hadn't even heard of spiritual abuse until I was 40. I didn't, yeah. I didn't really even know what that, that was. Um, and I think because I had such a loving family and a mom and dad that kind of went with the rules more of, I think my mom, it was an image thing, um, where, you know, the elders say this, or, you know, you can't dance or you, you can't drink, you can't smoke cigarettes. You can't, it was this, you know, it was full of yeah. rules rather than realizing, oh, okay, but those rules are for a purpose. They serve a purpose in our freedom and to figure out that grace. So what happened in your life that you realized, oh, wow, there's a lot of legalism going on here? <laughs> yeah. How do, how do we get there? Yeah. Um, well, and I think it, it, it's helpful to, to have a couple of definitions here. You know, theologically, when we say some somebody or a church or a community is legalistic, we really are saying that they are, they, in order for you to have salvation in Jesus, you must also do these things. Okay. Um, and I, that's not a, a place I was. Um, I wasn't in um, a church that then said it's Jesus plus Jesus plus baptism, Jesus plus, you know, whatever, all the 
things that some churches, you know, add to, <laughs> add to yeah. the simple gospel. Um, but I use that term um, on the cover of this book or as the title, because I think a lot of us call legalism sort of that broader, like works-based, I, or I just have to behave a certain way, you know, in order to be accepted in my community. I mean, I think that's a lot of it, like you're saying, you know, for your mom as an image thing. Um, and we do that not just in the church, we do that in any community. You know, people start to, they, they go be part of a group of whatever, you know, whatever your hobby is. And, and you see everybody's dressed the same, right? Yeah. Or everybody has all the same like cool gadgets or toys or, or there's a lingo or whatever. And, you know, we just sort of do this um, as humans. Um, and so the problem in the church, of course, is that then we start to assign somebody's level of spirituality with that behavior or what they are turning out, right? Mm -hmm. Or what they can contribute or what they can produce. Um, and it's anti-gospel, completely anti-gospel. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, how did we get there? Um, oh, it's such a... It's such a painful story to tell. We were both, I was raised in evangelicalism. Uh, my husband was raised in, as an, like a cradle Episcopalian and came to faith through young life in high school. And, you know, young life is like the opposite of a liturgical church. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. there was like, you know, he, he, he literally heard a surfer because we grew up, we both grew up in California, like a, this kind of surfer dude give his, his testimony. And my husband was like, I'm in. <laughs> so, you know, we both, we had this path really through freedom. You know, my parents weren't legalistic and uh, they had standards that they wanted us, you know, that, and it was don't drink and, you know, all this stuff. But, um, but we, we were prideful. I would say that's part of it. Uh, into our mid twenties, we had a couple of kids by that time. We were prideful about um, how good we were. I'm a very good rule follower. Um, and so let me show you how spiritual I am by all the good rules I can keep um, and how, you know, well-behaved my children are and <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And then uh, my, my, the other second side to that, I always say like the Siamese twins of, of our legalism were pride and fear mm -hmm. because, you know, there's this, uh, this incredible pressure in the church to have kids who grow up to love Jesus. Now, that's not a bad thing. I, I want my kids to know Jesus. I want them to know freedom in Christ and to, to live that yeah, under that freedom. But then, you know, in the broader community um, at most congregations and in church, we then sort of feel like we have to um, we have to produce these good children. Like our parenting is is now qualified because our kids grew up to to love Jesus. Um, I've heard this my whole life. I heard it a couple of weeks ago in my Bible study group um, from a little old lady who's in her 80s. And she said, um, train up a child. She's telling all the young moms this, train up a child in the way they should go because, you know, all four of my children are now missionaries. Mm. And I just like, oh, I mean, I squirmed in my seat and I wanted to, to, to say, I, I think it's just so lovely that your children are all missionaries. Praise God. Hey, but young moms, guess what? That's not on you. Um, you know, but so there's something about that, like parenting pressure that got to us and put us sort of in this path. Then we decided to jump into homeschooling in the nineties, uh, and literally would, would hear homeschool speakers at the time say homeschooling will save your children. Ah, 
<laughs> right? Uh, and and I'm I'm like lapping it up, like, oh yes, this is this will be so great because we can can then control the narrative and we can we can make sure that everything we input is godly and good and you know uh, all these things. And I didn't start out homeschooling for that reason, but then that's what the homeschooling world was was uh, communicating at the time. And so we then just get really involved in that. We want to be with quote, you know, like-minded people who think like us, which really meant narrow, (laughs) you know, narrow-minded people who thought like us or thought all the things like us. And guess what? That never works anyway, because eventually you'll find something you disagree about. Um, And so we we helped start a church that was, that had all of these distinctives and it was homeschooling and it was a specific theological bent and it was patriarchal, which was terrible for us because we weren't really like that in our marriage. And so we were always in trouble. (laughs) Our family was always in trouble. You rebel. Yeah. Oh, we were, yeah, we were rebels because we allowed our sons to sit with their friends instead of with us in church. Um, and (laughs) You know, just little things like that. So would that church have said, these are the things you must do in order to be saved? No, absolutely not. In that way, not legalistic, but extremely rigid. And in terms of spiritual abuse, because you you brought that up, um, my definition of spiritual abuse is when anybody other than the Holy Spirit steps in and tells you how you must live your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's definitely what was going on in that community. Um, there was, uh, you know, there was, there were sermons that were, um, well, gosh, they should have just said, Hey, Fletcher family, this sermon's about you. <laughs> you know, I mean, my kids, they would get in the car and my kids would be like, uh, <laughs> I feel like that was directed at us. And like, yeah, you're, you are wise people. Uh, so you know, those are some of the things. And what you find is when you begin to put your hope in anything, anything that isn't Jesus, whether it's the way you raise your children, whether it's uh, how you manage your money, um, whether it's, um, you know, the theology that you ascribe to, whether it's who you read and who you don't read, what you watch and what all those things, when you begin to shift your hope onto those behaviors mm-hmm. that that can be lovely tools. I mean, we still homeschool um, the last one. And, you know, I- I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we chose to homeschool. That a lot of good has come out of it mm-hmm. in the lives of our family. Uh, you know, my children are good friends and just all these things, you know, but it's a tool. It is yeah. not our hope. Uh, yeah. And so that that's where this became extreme, extremely dangerous for us. We we put our hope in all of these things that were not Jesus. And when we do that, we just build idols for ourselves. Uh, and idols always leave us in bondage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. every time. So yeah. we were just in bondage to all of that behaviorism. I I think that it is the enemy's biggest tool that the enemy uses is through legalism because it's really easy to get caught up in that. Um, I, I know, I know I have, and I know, um, I look at my, I have three children and there are times when their behavior, I will, you know, tisk, tisk, tisk. That's not (laughs) the way you're not following the rules rather than where, where their heart is. And yes, let's put Jesus first. And whenever it becomes a man-made rule, uh, that's where we have to step back and go, what's going on here? And I know for for me, even, and it's like you said, pride, mm-hmm. we let our egos sometimes get in the way of yeah. 
that that relationship because what will people think? Uh, I want you to do it this way because you're, you know, we, we grew up where it was a stumbling block if you did specific things. And so you, you get caught up in that versus the freedom, you, you know, where we're always, it's like, right? we don't know what's a stumbling block to this person. And, you know, if you say certain words or you talk that way, it's, that's not appropriate. And it, is it not appropriate? Cause you really feel like, like you said, the Holy spirit is convicting them or is it because somebody heard them say those words and now they're going to look at you as you were a horrible parent that you allowed that. Right. That's right. And you know, uh, I don't know what it is about our human nature, but we are, we are hopelessly concerned about what people think of us. I actually don't really believe it when people say, I don't care what other people think of me. I'm like, mm. I think you do in, in certain ways. We all in oh, yeah. have somebody or something that we want to think highly of us. Yes. Uh, and you know, it's an idol. It just, it just is. Yeah. 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 Um, there was a certain um, organization when my kids were younger uh, that we probably have all heard of, uh, but it was very rigid in when you put your kids down. But, you know, it was all God's way, right? <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. We were growing kids God's way. We we were doing it right. <laughs> and, I'll just name it. That, yeah, you're right. Okay, so we're going to name it that way. And there were some things that I I... I took and I kept up with, and I thought it was great. Like they had the, the mommy and daddy time. And we, we did that. We called it a Kuna Matata on Friday nights and the kids would get to watch movies and we would be in the no, no room uh, where they, you know, we didn't have to get a babysitter cause we would be right there in the room where we could see them in the you know living room, but they couldn't come in there. And to this day, my kids, they'll go, mom, can we use the no, no room to do X, Y, Z? But there are certain things that I I appreciated, you know, from that whole system. But yeah, yeah some things you just go, oh, wow. And right. like you said, it was going to save your children if you followed these rules. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it makes me cry. You know, uh, I it's been beautiful to see my daughter-in-law. Um, we have a two-year-old uh, granddaughter and now a like, oh gosh, she's just a month, not even a month, three week old grandson. Um, and she, she uses some of those things because she was raised with that. Right. Uh, and so she, you know, she, um, makes sure that there's a pattern to sleeping and putting baby down and stuff like that. But she's so unlegalistic about it. Like she's just so, if I show up and, uh, you know, she'll go wake the baby up so I can hold him. And like, I never would have done that because I was so rigid, you know, about yeah. those things. And I think, you know, she's using the best tools from that, yeah. but she's not doing it in a way that it is, it's an idol for her, you know? And yeah. it, I'm just like, I'm so thankful. You know, I just think, I'm so thankful that my kids didn't come out of this as screwed up as I thought they, as I originally was like, oh, no, I've ruined my kids, you know, uh, and God's grace. God's just so, so gracious. And not that they haven't worked through it, because I'll tell you, when we left that um, church environment that was so, so rigid and unhealthy, our oldest children were 17 and 15. Uh, and and we didn't know at the time to our, our firstborn actually has bipolar disorder. And uh, we didn't know any of that, you know, but 
of course, once the diagnosis came, we're like, oh, <laughs> oh, explain so much. But, you know, they've had to work through a lot of it. They've had to. They were, you know, they were old enough that this was what they were raised in. And um, and to see God's work in their lives, you know, even my firstborn who really has made some life choices that I was like, oh, no, you know, like, oh. And, and I was told by somebody wiser than me, Kendra, don't. Um, don't begrudge that for him. Mm. Yeah, it's hard for you to watch him make some life choices that you, you know, that you think are going to have some long-term ramifications that aren't positive, but also recognize that when we say that, when we say, oh no, it's going to ruin him or he's going to, oh, I don't, you know, that we aren't leaving space for the beautiful grace of Christ in that. Mm. And what, what Christ what Christ came for, his yeah. redemption in that. Uh, and we're beginning to see some things in his life where, where, where Christ is like moving in the darkness and through the cracks in his life. And I think, ah, you know, here, here it is. And he even said to us recently, because we were, you know, always, we're always apologetic, like, oh, we're so sorry, you know. And I said to him recently, like, oh, Hayden, I'm just, you know, I'm just so bummed that that was that, that decade of your life. And he goes, I'm not. Mom, mm -hmm. that has made me who I am today in a lot of ways. Wow. And, you know, like he gets it. He gets that Jesus is it. Like, we, yeah. you know, we don't have to do all the right things. We don't have to grow kids God's way. We don't have to, <laughs> you know, uh, manage our money through Financial Peace University. We don't, like, we don't have to play the game so straight and follow every rule and get it all right for Jesus to do his redemptive work. In fact, it's when we don't do any of those things yeah. and we can't keep up and we can't keep the law that, that the grace of the gospel just absolutely explodes, you know, and becomes so such the beautiful thing that it is. Yes. I, I appreciate those words of how the Holy spirit allow uh, the Holy spirit to move through the cracks in your life. And that that is beautifully said you can it's a it's a visual i'm so highly visual and it's just like yeah to be able to we want we don't want our kids to suffer we don't want them to experience anything that's going to have um a, a long-term ramification so we want to stop them from making any silly choices and i i have right. a dear friend whose son um in his 30s and super quiet. When we're at a party, you really can't even get him to talk. And so she keeps trying to guide him and coach him and, you know, just ask people questions and lean in and you're setting a tone when you just sit there with the stoic look on your face. And, and finally she said the other day, I, I need to quit looking at him as if he's broken. Mm -hmm. I keep trying to fix him rather than exactly what you said. It's it. This is his journey. Let Jesus work in his life. Right. And at some point, um, I, I, I had a dear friend talk about parenting. You go from commander when they're little, where you can't tell them <laughs> what to do. Then you go into coaching and then you go into counselor. And then that counselor mm. stage, they need to be asking you the questions. So right. once they hit that place, yeah, quit trying to Look at our kids like they're broken because they're not, you know, created in our image. They're created right. in God's image, and He's going to do beautiful things in their life. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That is one of the joys I think of having as many children as we do have, we have eight. Uh, and, and that, you know, we kind of, I always joke that we have this test group, <laughs> you know, like we have, we have, so, we have all these, you know, these test cases or whatever, but, you know, to see the diversity and I'm sure you see it with three, you know, if you have two children, you see, you see how God has created everybody uniquely and so differently. I didn't create eight, uh, you know, carbon copies of myself. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, my front-sided strengths have really, really weak back-sided weaknesses. So, you know, it, it's just lovely to look at um, how he's created them differently and the journeys that he is taking them on that are so unique to them and so different. And and as a mom, you know, as a parent, like, of course, we want the best for our kids. Of course we do. Of course, I'm praying, you know, that God does beautiful things and draws him to them. Um, but I've also learned to, I always joke that I have deep, deep ridges in my tongue where I've bitten it. <laughs> So many times over there, you know, with all these adult kids, because that's the truth. When you're in that counselor mode, when they are adults or even older teenagers, um, you know, if they don't ask for my opinion, I don't give it. And oh, I do a lot of tongue biting. That doesn't mean yeah. it's easy, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and if there were things, you know, if there was something illegal or or really, honestly, if I saw a kid sort of dip in their toe in the water of legalism again or into that kind of, you know, I would probably come alongside and say, you know, you have the freedom to do, to make the choices you're making for your family. Um, but I'm seeing some things that just kind of hurt my heart. You know, I, I might say something like that. Yeah. Um, but other than that, my goodness. Yeah. You, you do you and <laughs> God's going to do such a better work in you than I'm going to. So how, uh, and, and I, I already feel like I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to come across as, as trite because we, we know it's, just keeping that relationship open with yeah. Christ. But how yeah. do you separate that religious behavior from the true faith in Christ? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, it, it's funny. Deconstruction's the big hot topic right now, right? Um, or, I mean, people just are talking about that, saying, saying that word. So often I see it all over social media. And I would say when we left that legalistic church, that's really what we did 10 years ago. Uh, and I just didn't call it that. Um, but I would tell people... I spent a good five years picking apart all of the components of what I thought it meant to follow Jesus. And that wasn't just from the decade that we were in, you know, the homeschooly legalistic kind of thing. That's from my evangelical upbringing. You know, that's just kind of from what, from everything, because mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I graduated high school in 88, tells you how old I am. Uh, and Dobson was just beginning like writing and talking about uh, purity stuff, purity rings, purity. So that purity culture was getting going, you know, all of that. So I, I spent a good five years, um, about 10 years ago, really pulling everything apart and saying, is this what I was taught in youth group? Or is this what it means to follow Jesus? Okay, how about this? Was this from summer camp? Or is this from, is this what it means to follow Jesus? Is this what I was taught in the church? Is this what I was taught in a Sunday school? Uh, was it from a radio program I listened to? What is Christian culture and, and human rules? And what does it really mean to follow Jesus? And that took a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. um, and, and through some of that, I had to, I actually had to stop reading my Bible, um, which is completely, you know, counterintuitive because everything I'd ever been taught since I was 
you know, whatever, five years old in a Sunday school classroom was you get up, you have your quiet time, you spend time in the word, right? Even these things I'm saying to you, a non-believer would be like, what's a quiet time? What, what's the word, right? Like we have all these little things we say and these little behaviors we do. Now, again, nothing wrong with those things. Those are great tools, yeah. but I could not disentangle them from, mm. from my behavior and what I was trying to quote unquote deconstruct. Mm-hmm. So I didn't read the Bible for a good two, maybe three years. Mm. I listened to it. I listened to, you know, I would listen to it in the morning um, because something about taking like divorcing it from the page. I know this is so weird, but you know, something about like not having my actual physical Bible with like notes I'd written and, you know, highlights and all this stuff, something about being able to hear it and just let it sort of seep in that way didn't feel like religious behavior to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had to do that. I needed to do that. I needed to not be in a Bible study. I needed to, I needed to look at prayer differently. Um, You know, all the little things I'd learned, uh, you know, whatever, and just pull it all apart. And it was, it was excruciating because it's so much easier to behave, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So much easier just to do the steps. So it was basically, um, and, and I'm, I'm really upset that we only have three minutes left here before the show is over. Cause this is now we're getting into some deeper stuff. Cause yeah, I mean, we, most of us that grew up in the church, we sat there with that envelope that said, did you do your quiet time? Did you check off your tithing? Did you check, you know, and you check off the list. Oh. So you basically were, you, you kind of paused and said, okay, it's not going to be a checkoff for me. I am going right. to. Um, even for me, I, I quit praying before meal times, which sounds really crazy, but, uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm supposed to be praying, you know, throughout the day. And that's just a part of a relationship, right? You're just right. talking to Jesus all right. the time, not in this ritual of, you know, now I'm going to thank you for this, this pizza. That's horrible for me that I'm going to ask you to bless it. And, <laughs> So I hear what you're saying, right. I, I'm going, oh, wow, how do you entangle, how do you divorce yourself from these, these rituals? So we just have two minutes, Kendra, and in the end yeah. of all of this, of you doing this for a couple of years, you came out on the other side with what? Yeah, with a, with a deeper love for Jesus, which I know sounds weird because I didn't read my Bible and I didn't, you know, like I didn't do all the things and it made me want to know him more. It did the opposite of what the church had told me my whole life. Right. Like I was in danger if I didn't do these behaviors. But what I found was, you know what, when, when Christ calls you, when you put your trust in him, he doesn't let you go. He doesn't let you go. And you, you want more of him, not more. Nobody ever says like, I want more of, uh, you know, ministry opportunities where all I'm doing is spending every day at the church. Nobody says that, right? But, you know, but to, to know Christ and to hear him and to, to, to have the confidence that, that it doesn't matter how I behave, that he loves me. He really loves me. That's what I wanted more of. That's what I came out on the other side with. Wow. Okay. I'm going to let that sink in. Um, and, you know, I immediately go, oh my gosh, we're quitting the show. And we just told people, don't go read your Bible. I know. <laughs> Shame yeah. on you, Kendra. <laughs> yes, yes. So thanks again. It was an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It. And we will talk to you again next week. 
Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.